Hey Kyle, it's Kim sending this voice message from the UK. My boyfriend and I, Alex, are big fans of the show. We've been listening to your podcast for the last couple of years. Keeps us company on our long drives from the UK to the Swiss Alps, which is where we spend most of the year. Um, we're going to be heading to California next week and was wondering if you've got any uh, local recommendations or insider tips that you might be willing to share with us. We may even be heading down Santa Cruz ways as well. Um, just wanted to say as well, keep up the good work with the show. We love listening to all the different and interesting guests you have and we're excited for future episodes to come. Cheers. Thank you for sending that in, Kim. I just love getting these voice memos from you. Warms my heart knowing that there are so many other quirky, strange people that are interested in the same subjects as I am. It's a real um, cool sense of community. So if you uh, do make it through Santa Cruz, hit me up on Instagram. I would love to take you and your guy out for a beer or maybe a jump out in the Pacific Ocean. And if you are touring all throughout California, some places that I would recommend hitting are Big Sur. Big Sur is about as breathtaking a natural landscape as you will see anywhere in the world. Um, the bottom of the ocean there is all granite rock, which makes for a very clear, deep blue water. I would recommend going on a weekday because it's not exactly a secret spot uh, and it can get pretty busy on the weekends, but it's worth driving through if you are uh, making your trip through Central California. As you head further south, I would recommend going into Topanga Canyon while you are in LA. That's a little slice of Northern California. Uh, situated right on the edge of Los Angeles, so you could spend a day to do some hikes around Topanga. And if you're going to go all the way down to the far end of Southern California, I've always been a fan of Encinitas. Encinitas is just a cool, groovy little surf town with good food, uh, and it's it's never struck me as quite so frenetic as the rest of Southern California. And then if you guys want to, you know, make your trip a little extra audacious, head over the border into Baja and it's a whole new world of exploration down there. Yosemite also is uh, breathtaking. I would recommend going to Yosemite as well. Uh, preferably not on a weekend because it can get busy, but right now is a beautiful time of year to go. Fun fact about uh, Yosemite, I learned that John Muir, uh, which the famous trail, the John Muir Trail is named after, was famous because um, there you, one of the reasons he was famous, I should say, um, was that he was a major uh, protester to try and stop this dam from uh, forming it. Hetch Hetchy. So Hetch Hetchy is where is this area that was flooded and is now used for San Franciscans to get their water. But prior to the flooding, uh, it was essentially a mirror image of Yosemite. It was another valley that had those really breathtaking landscapes. And John Muir had this this famous quote where he said, "Damn Hetch Hetchy, one may as well." use churches and cathedrals as water tanks for 
no greater uh for no greater cathedral had ever been constructed by man I kind of butchered that quote but it was something along the lines of that which is that's strange to think about the the landscapes and these beautiful natural resources that we have lost over the years um growing up it's it, it what's strange about it is it only feels like a loss to the people that go through it at that time because Hetch Hetchy was damned before I was born. So I never really felt like it was a loss. Similarly, I wonder if the kids growing up, uh, you know, in developing countries with plastic all over the beaches will feel that kind of loss um, that their parents did over having pristine beaches. This podcast is just getting taken way down into the darkness way too quickly. But it's a strange thing to think about. Um, Similarly, I wanted to talk about a new book that I've been loving that was written by a close friend of mine, Dr. Chris Ryan. He just came out with his new book, Civilized to Death, The Price of Progress. And uh, I'm going to read you uh, one of the opening bits from the book. And I... It's he's a fucking smart guy. He's one of the most brilliant minds out there, and I sometimes forget that because um, he's also a close friend. It's weird how that happens. But here's a, a quick quote from the book. I'm going to include it on my website, so you can go to my website, kyle.surf slash book club, and it's the latest book up there. Here's a bit from Civilized to Death. Most of us have a sense that something's not right. Balmy winter days, catastrophic fires and floods, a world at constant war, political systems in disarray. Some, mis- some misinformation is repeated so often it acquires the sheen of obvious truth. Civilization is humankind's greatest accomplishment. Progress is undeniable. You're lucky to be alive here and now. Well, maybe we are, and maybe we aren't. In Civilized to Death, Christopher Ryan counters the idea that all progress is inherently good, arguing that the, quote, progress defining our age is analogous to an advancing disease. Prehistoric life, of course, was not without serious threats and disadvantages. Many babies died in infancy. A broken bone, infected wound, snake bite, or difficult pregnancy could be disastrous. But ultimately, Ryan asks... Were these privileged dangers really much worse than modern scourges such as car accidents, social isolation, worsening natural disasters, and rising deaths by cancer, suicide, and cardiovascular disease? The lives of our foraging forebears, it turns out, were far from nasty, brutish, and short, despite what we've been led to believe. On the contrary, today's, quote, enlightened societies have much to learn from our primitive ancestors. At a time when our health and society, our health, our society, and our planet all feel increasingly imperiled, an accurate understanding of our species' true nature is vital to a clear sense of the ultimate value of civilization and its costs. In Civilized to Death, Ryan argues that we should look back to our past to navigate our way to a better future. Civilized to Death. Get it now, just came out. 
Before I get into this podcast, I want to send a huge thank you to everyone who is donating to this show on Patreon. I rely on people like you to keep it going. I come out with episodes every single week, so if you get value out of the show and you can donate just a few bucks, head over to my website, kyle.surf, to do that. If you can't, no worries. Keep enjoying the show. Give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. That really helps boost the visibility. But if you can, even just like five bucks a month really does help. I also want to send a big thank you out to Santa Cruz Medicinals for being the primary sponsor of this podcast. Each and every episode they come through, Santa Cruz Medicinals makes potent CBD products that I use each and every day. I put their CBD coconut oil in my coffee or mud water. I use their CBD coconut oil also as massage oil on um, any, like, I have scar tissue uh, from getting too cray in my younger years. Um, broke my arms a bunch of times, so I use their CBD coconut oil as to massage out my scar tissue. Um, I use their pain cream after a long day of surfing, and they just came out with a CBD nootropic that you can use um, every morning to help with brain function and decrease inflammation. And you can get 10% off all of their products by typing in the code name KYLE10, all caps, uh, on their website, scmedicinals.com. I'll leave a link to that below. This episode of the podcast is with two of my favorite people. They're both Kyle Tierman Show alumni, alum, alumni. Oh, I never get that right. Um, I've had Amy on this podcast four or five times. I've had Simon on two or three times. And I was able to get them to both sit down on my couch uh, in Santa Cruz, California for a bit of a chat about all things sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, part of what's so great about having a podcast is you just meet really cool people who you then become friends with. And when I look at the quality of my friend group, largely as a result of putting these episodes out every single week, um, it's made it worth it just for that reason alone. Um, so I hope that you sit back, enjoy yourself, and are able to feel like you're just hanging out on the couch with us on this episode with Amy Baldwin and Simon Rex. I should probably introduce them a little bit more, even though you, you might know who they are. So Simon Rex is a well-known uh, comedian and rapper. He has the alter ego Dirt Nasty. He played the lead in Scary Movie 3, um, and you should check him out on Instagram. He's a fucking hilarious dude, um, with a very quick witted mind. And, uh, he also performed, uh, at the motherfucker awards last year. And Amy Baldwin is a sex and somatic coach. Um, and she hosts the podcast, the shameless sex podcast every single week where you can learn a lot of really cool tips and tricks, um, from her and her co-host about sex and sexuality. And Simon uh, is newer to the podcast game, but he's already blowing up. He has his show, Nervous Rex, and he's already had huge guests like Charlie Sheen and Theo Vaughn and Brian Callen. So check out Nervous Rex and the Shameless Sex Podcast. But for now, just sit back, enjoy this episode with Simon and Amy. 
Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, guys. So I'm reading The War of Art. Uh -huh. And here's a passage from it. Resistance and sex. <laughs> Sometimes resistance takes the form of sex or an obsessive preoccupation with sex. Why sex? Because sex provides immediate and powerful gratification. When someone sleeps with us, we feel validated and approved of, even loved. Resistance gets a big kick out of that. It knows it has distracted us with a cheap, easy fix and kept us from doing our work. Of course, not all sex is a manifestation of resistance. In my experience, you can tell by the measure of hollowness you feel afterward. The more empty you feel, the more certain you can be that your true motivation was not love or even lust, but resistance. It goes without saying that the princ this principle applies to drugs, shopping, masturbation, TV, gossip, alcohol, and the consumption of all products containing fat, sugar, salt, or chocolate. Unless it's dark chocolate mixed <laughs> with my glorious mud water right Why here. Why were you only looking at her when you read that? <laughs> I wanted some. Sorry. You wanted some eye candy. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved that. I just, okay, thank you for that, Kyle. Yeah, and I just want to paint the picture for everyone. Kyle's wearing Rudolph <laughs> socks right now and a purple shirt that says, Vote Her with the Earth on it. Um, some Patagonia shorts, like you just went for a run and you just read some powerful. Shit. Well, we did just we did just have a little exercise. We did Santa Monica. What's it called? I mean, Santa, Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz movement is Santa the Cruz Edo movement. Portal method. Simon and I were doing some crouching tiger, hidden dragon movements in the backyard, yeah. getting jiggy with it. It was great, and then we meditated to Sam Harris, who has a boring voice, so it was he was putting me out. Yeah. Now, uh, let's go backwards a little bit to that poem. I relate uh -huh. to the empty. I always said sometimes when I had sex with someone, I felt like an empty chocolate Easter bunny. You know those ones um, that are empty inside, yeah. like you you're all stoked, and then you get it, and then it's like crumbles, and there's nothing inside. I felt that after having sex before. And I was like, this sucks. Like I, I, it's almost like the same feeling when you, it's like a regret, weird thing. And I, I was like, why am I feeling this way? It was when I got older, like in my more recent years, when I was younger, I didn't give a fuck. And then I totally understand that state, that Started sentiment about feeling empty, mm -hmm. right? Does that, do you guys ever have that? Is that, I mean, so you're talking, so I'm, like, I'm curious, is that when this, uh, there was like not a big connection yes. there? Yeah. It's like, is that like, it was useless, meaningless, yeah. dumb, I'm just like doing regrettable this sex. Yeah. And I was called, oh, sorry, I cut you off. Well, I was going to say, I was just, just like, you, I just like that. I just want to, to fuck, you know, it's just, there's like some sort of uh, pri more primal drive or something else, or there's some sort of like, you know, in internal dilemma with, you know, emotional wounding or something that it's seeking out, but it wasn't that there was a deep connection there. So it left with, we were left with the emptiness. Well, yeah. It was that. It was that. It was like, yeah, I wanted like empty, meaningless sex, and I got it, and then I didn't like it afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's it still was, empty. It was. <laughs> yeah, it, it's strange. I think it was just coming with like again. I think it was just I got older, and it was just like, oh, that wasn't worth it. Now I just like eh, that was. It, I, I, my friend coined this term, and I've heard it more recently, phrased differently, but uh, POD, post orgasm disgust, mm -hmm. where after you have an orgasm, you're like, fuck, get me out of here. Why do I do this? Who is this person? <laughs> and then it's also called. Um, Post nut clarity, 
So after <laughs> you nut, you're clear. And, and, and I listen to these girls' podcasts, and they're like, listen, ladies, it, when your guy has, when he's finished and he's quiet and weird, like, don't take it personal. It's what guys do. They get introverted. They're like, it's just normal. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're right. And even to the more of that, to that effect, I suffer from current orgasm disgust, where as I was having an orgasm with somebody, I was like, wasn't worth it. I couldn't even enjoy the seven <laughs> yeah. seconds I wow, worked to in get. It. Mm-hmm. Wasn't worth it. Yeah. Why did I do this? I couldn't even enjoy it anymore. So that's like just it, me being fucked. Yeah. Or it's also like getting drunk. Like the more, uh, the older you get when you get drunk, like the less you can enjoy it while it's happening. Yeah. You know, at least for me. For Yeah. For me, it's a lot of it's about like, just presence. Like I remember when I was younger and just trying to get laid as much as I could uh, in high school. Spread the seed. I remember thinking like I'd be fucking and being like, yeah, like this is cool. <laughs> but like it was like me, future me thinking yeah. about present me and the situation. You know, it's. You say you were not being it, it's present. Like, it was almost like doing a hike for the selfie at the top uh-huh. or something like so, that. So yeah, it wasn't a present thing. It was more like thinking about the future and how awesome I look by it with all the chicks that I've banked and then later on down the road it was yeah but i want to become like a samurai with it i want to learn about multiple orgasms mm-hmm. as a man like i feel like that's a worthy pursuit mm-hmm. when you mean you, to you as a man having multiple orgasms yeah, like i've only had that once in my life really yeah how'd it happen in hawaii maybe it was the climate uh <laughs> <laughs> and the energy there but i had an orgasm and then they just drank their tea at the same time, their coffee, their mud water. Uh, I, they're like, tell me more. Yeah, do tell. Are <laughs> uh, getting off? No, <laughs> no I had an orgasm. Picture. And then I, she kept going. And I just had another one back to back. Never had that once in my life. That was the only time. So, anyway, so that's it, all the whole yeah, story. Yeah, two back to back. Yeah. And I never, you know what's funny? I just thought of that story because as we're out back meditating and I was noticing like the Santa Cruz breeze on my face and the sun and the ducks quack in the background and the siren in the distance. I was like, oh, this breeze feels like the best breeze I ever felt in my life, which was when I had the double orgasm and I was like laid out and this Hawaiian breeze just like mm. crept up my nuts across my body. <laughs> and I was like, that was the best breeze I've oh, ever felt. Bro. I always remembered it. I so think, anyway. Yeah. I think context, I it has uh, so much to do. There's so many th- components or so many things that, that contribute to the experience, at least for me and my orgasmic process. And it would be everything, the environment to the energy to, you know, my hormones to how I'm a- arriving here and, you know, what kind of sleep did I have and what kind of food did I eat? And what is yeah. the, what was the connection like with that person that I'm with, uh, you know, yesterday and what is it like right now? All of it contributes to it, it, it all feeds into it. And, and that's me. I think I myself as kind of a complicated sexual being. I'm like a really uh, a challenging safe to crack um, to, to figure out. Um, and I need all these little things to go into that place. And so when I've had multi-orgasmic experiences, as this experience of like, is this one you know, 15 minute orgasm or is it, is there like 80 orgasms happening in 15 minutes, but I'm just somewhere else. Well, women have multiple orgasms. It's more strange yeah. for a man to, right? right. Isn't well, that th- it's, it's more so like my understanding of it. So if you think of, you know, of, of male sexuality, right. Um, is, is that before you went through puberty and you were able to actually ejaculate, uh, you could still have orgasms. You see like young kids are masturbating and that like five with their teddy bears. You told, you told me that. And yeah. I remembered having that happen before I could ejaculate. You could Talking have orgasms. And you, weren't, exactly. and you weren't ejaculating, but you could probably have multiple orgasms yeah. still. You, like, you could have them because yeah, there wasn't... My brother had a w- Girls of Tahiti calendar Ooh. that I stole from him. <laughs> and, I was, and I knew what jerking off was, but I couldn't do it at the uh-huh. time. But I remember having orgasms. Yeah. 
and and in, in so my understanding is that it's the ejaculation that's getting in your way of making it so that you need this this refractory period to rest before you can go have an orgasm or um, have you know an, an ejaculation again it's it's that expelling of that energy because it's such a big process it's it's a lot of energy for you that's why you go in that sleepy world of you know introspection after the uh, the orgasm he looks like he's really thinking. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I'm just trying not to interrupt. I have so many thoughts. Yeah, I heard ahead. that you can do uh, a male version of a Kegel uh-huh. to help with I'm doing multiple right orgasms. Yeah. Are you? I'm yeah, doing them right now. Do 400 a. That's <laughs> I what I was doing. <laughs> His pelvis is like... <laughs> Your cock's going up and down the pants. Well, that's... And that's what they teach in... And this isn't... My, I mean, I, I teach a lot of sex ed stuff, and, and, I, and I do teach some light Tantra um, 101 classes uh, and... So this, but I wouldn't say that I'm a, a, an extreme expert in this, but my understanding of that is, um, and there's great books on this is multi-orgasmic man, which is from a Taoist perspective. And then there's a lot of wonderful Tantra books like urban Tantra is one of my favorite Tantra books and they teach something. Yes. I forgot which one it's from, but they call the big draw and it's essentially, it's, I mean, they use a wave analogy actually that if you, if you're riding on a wave and your orgasm and ejaculation is when you actually go over the top, you know, you can't just come back over there, right? You already went over the top. So it's when you're actually coming up to the, the back of the wave, but before you get over the top, you kind of hang out there at that place instead of going over the top. So I like to use the number system for my orgasms. <laughs> I'm also a very heady person. So if a 10 is like orgasm, you know, I like I had a full orgasm and a zero is I'm just starting to get aroused. I often, in my, my sexual experience, I often hang out at like an eight or nine for a long time. But to get me to a 10, it takes, uh, takes a, a lot to get me there. But I can hang on an eight or nine for like an hour. Wow. And it's amazing. It's that's, absolutely amazing. That's skills. Yeah, skills. So I think, but for the multi-orgasmic man, you would be at the eight or nine. And the nine might be too far because it might bring you too close to going over the top. So maybe you're at the eight. <laughs> yeah, then you're like, oh, shit. I went yeah. over and then yeah, that's... Went over the wave. Yeah, oops. But if you're at the eight... And then you do what you're talking about, this Kegel exercise, this Kegel, Kegel, but you inhale and you actually tighten the pelvic floor and you inhale, deep inhalation through your nose, up the spine. As Some if you're kundalini pulling, shit. It's kundalini, like you're pulling the energy from your genitals in through your body to your head instead of keeping it in your genitals and then you exhale it out of your mouth. There's this circular breath combined with the Kegels and um, that is, and the, you know, the tightening and the pulling that is supposed to... Um, can help you to uh, expand the orgasm and then potentially go into multi-orgasmic states without ejaculating. And that is the Cliff Notes version. I just ejaculated. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast is over. He's tired now. I'm at Nate. Yeah. Nate, yeah. yeah. It's, I want to get there. Life yeah. goals. Life goals. Do you guys hang out at, at eight? Do you, I mean, what is your sexual response like? I mean, I, I think most men aren't, they kind of, and go up and then they'll go down but they're not really yeah, hanging that's out me. yeah that's me yeah. I've been working I'm trying to get to be able to hang it at eight but mm-hmm. it's hard yeah it's hard I think it's but I want the brain orgasm I hear about where the energy rushes up to your brain and you kind of have this brain orgasm without having an orgasm and the woman gets more pleasure and you just because it's really loud about just busting a nut that's such like yeah. forgive the terminology but like low vibration like just get your rocks off like I could get myself off I don't even need that's, yeah. that's too easy I want to do some other shit like hang out at eight. Yes, for hang, a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hang eight. I don't know. I and I've explained this to lovers and partners. I don't know 
if going to a 10 for you know 10 seconds or five seconds is better than hanging out at eight or nine for an hour or you know even for for 20 minutes like i people put so much emphasis on the actual orgasm and orgasm's awesome i've had some fabulous times just hanging out below that for a long time because it's just a whole bunch of pleasure but i'm also able to be really present for everything too because i'm not blasting off yeah, even the term like, oh, did you make her come? Yeah. It's like there's one come. There's one like one thing that it. happened. It's, it's like saying there's one car. It's yeah. like, no, there's a whole different this is the universe of cars out mm-hmm. there. Um, so, But getting over that as a guy can be really hard. Super and, hard. And even, hard. And even yeah. saying make her come is yeah. sort of just a macho male way right. of thinking about it. Not that you, but that's how we say it. When it's really quite often the woman who makes herself come, like she's like, just lay down and let me grind on you and like rub my clit on you. Just lay down, dude. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's quite off in the yeah. situation at least in my case there's a lot it took, depends on the female vir- human being though took her virginity I, t- I took her virginity I took it. yeah right I it's fucking, such a like a it's such I a I took uh, it like candy from a baby I lost it I lost my yeah. virginity <laughs> yeah. where did it yeah, go lost and found yeah, uh, yeah that's interesting um I think, yeah, yeah but there is, is that a patriarchy thing you think is that like think a male so. man like yeah. thing that yeah. we say it like that in our lexicon yeah that makes I, sense? I think so i mean i mean but i men say to this use the terms i i they i don't guess you wouldn't say she took my virginity no. but you say i lost my virginity yeah. too so like that goes that goes all the different directions yeah but there is there is this thing you masculinity and you know your um you know, you're you're like divide and conquer, and I made her come, and yeah. I you know I did all of this, and if I don't, I failed. Right. You know, there's there's a big thing around that that even the men that I know who are more open minded, progressive, conscious folks still get stuck in that. What about sure. what about as a guy being like, yeah, I'm having a baby soon. Uh, <laughs> you're not doing shit man <laughs> <laughs> you're giving some high fives and moral support smoking cigars in the waiting room well maybe he's gonna be like i don't know a little more proactive in his parenting but yeah no he's so, definitely so let's upgrade our, our terms instead of lost the virginity what uh, just use? had sex for the first time I had sex for the first time that well, works popped your cherry yeah po- oh geez cherry, right? cherries yeah even fun fact about hymen because that's the cherry hymen continue i have a hymen still and it continues to to be a thing and it can actually like you know kind of grow grow back depending on how sexually active people are sounds like a german word it's hymen my name is hymen hitler Hitler. (laughs) maybe that's where it's from yeah i i still catch myself saying that sometimes but i correct every time when i say lost you know lost my virginity i'm like it's it's not so i got a funny a funny story that i I thought of this morning that i have never told on a podcast but it was one of my first like sexual experiences this was yesterday yesterday yeah (laughs) this was uh, during our meditation right there uh so when i was a sophomore in high school i was at this old dude's birthday party with a buddy of mine this is not going to go somewhere he had this huge party in the in the front of uh his house and we were in the hot tub with a couple of these girls 15 years old and I was a sophomore and there were a couple of girls who were juniors and they started playing truth or dare. Oh yeah. I love that. Fucking mm. great. That's game. a great way to get so weird. intense, like early games of truth or dare. Yeah. yeah. I got anxiety thinking you're about like, it. it's going down. It's like anxiety <laughs> yeah. and excitement. But then At you're that like, age, you're so weird in your skin. It's so like, weird. Like I just hit puberty. I was like putting gels in the little pubes that I had. I was like, it's fucking <laughs> going down right now. Right. So we're in the hot tub with these girls, two, two girls who are, hot and older than me. I had Spanish class with them. 
and my buddy is in the hot tub as well with his girlfriend and they're like we dare you to sit on kyle's lap in the hot tub and they're like okay and i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god and then my buddy just lays me up with one he's like i dare both you girls to take kyle into the backyard and do whatever you want with him and i'm just like <laughs> this is the moment <laughs> like thinking about like my big brother like what would he do like what would he would he be a sh- okay I'm gonna go in the backyard so we go in the backyard there's a whole party happening in the front and they're like Kyle what do you want us to do I'm like uh, I guess give me a blowjob they're like okay so they pull down my little trunks right and they start giving me a blowjob on the grass of this backyard Two girls? Two girls. Double blowjob. First time I ever got a blowjob from two girls, right? (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm just trying to be like, okay, just just get a boner. Just get a boner. We're not even thinking about coming at this point, Kyle. Just just come on, little guy. I don't come at all, right? And then we go back in and they're like, what'd you do? I'm like, nothing. Anyway, then we go back into, into the room and the two girls sleep in this bed, right? And it was a guest bedroom. They're like, Kyle, come sleep in the bed with us. And I was so fucking freaked out. I wouldn't do it. I slept on the floor all night long. Because <laughs> you were freaked out, but like, what might happen? I was, yeah, I was like too scared. I didn't like where that story ended. No, it didn't end, it didn't end well at all. No, this was like, like when I think about that experience, I just get only anxiety. Like mm-hmm. there's no arousal. I got anxiety. Right. <laughs> Well, and I, I, I get that's so, it's a great, so scary. great story though. Yeah, you made it. I mean, you the made it to the, the blowjob part. But okay, can you? So when one's sucking your cock, what's what's the other one doing? Are they yeah. like one on the balls or like making she, out or? She, I, I don't remember. Were they making out together? Was it a lesbian they, affair? There, yeah. there was a little bit of lesbian, if mm. I'm not mistaken, and Santa there was Cruz. a little bit of <laughs> blowjob. But I mean, the, imagine a huge raging party going on in the front with this girl's dad. Yeah. And he had a band, and we're just in the backyard in the grassy One area. One of the girls was but sucking your D. It was her dad? No. Okay. It wasn't <laughs> yeah, her was dad. Like, like, that's <laughs> brave. Girl. Uh, I got caught trying to have sex with my best friend as a child at like five years. One of my earliest memories. I, mean, I think I must have walked in on my mom having sex because with her boyfriend or something because I remember trying to do what I saw happen as a child. So my best friend, her name was Vita. She was a blonde girl, and I tried to have sex with her. I was trying to put my little penis in her vagina on top of her. I'm like, no, I saw my mom do this. <laughs> and her dad walks in. The oh. moment I'm doing this to her, he sees me on top of his little five-year-old daughter putting my little wee-wee in her, and he goes, I'll never forget. He goes, no, you guys are too young, and closed the door. And I was like, fuck. That was my first sex. <laughs> experience i was five no yeah did you five. did you feel like ashamed well i didn't really that? have i was just trying to like put my little wee wee in there yeah i did i was just embarrassed and then my mom never said anything about it i don't know if he ever told her but he didn't like that's all he did was close the door and it was some hippie san francisco days yeah anyway so he closed the door and let you let, just left he you just two closed in there the still? door and then like i don't remember that's i just remember so vividly one of my earliest memories was yeah. that and there grew weed downstairs i remember that so many kids have their these experiences their first time with someone just like snapping them. so this i mean he at least he, at you. least he said that you're too young yeah. and he didn't say that's bad right, didn't shame bad. It, yeah. right. we're yeah. just too young right. which yeah. i understood and you're like i guess so <laughs> makes sense. I should, we should start doing i think a good segment on my podcast i'm gonna start asking every guest to, Tell me how you ended your virginity. Mm. I think everyone's got a cool story they remember very vividly. I think I want to share that everyone's virginity. That's a whole podcast. It ended your virginity (laughs) or or started your sexual life when you stopped being pure. When when did you become sexually active? (laughs) Tell me about the first time you got Charlie Sheen. When did you become sexually active? When's the first time you sinned, sinner? (laughs) Yeah, we want to hear the story. Well, it's weird how a lot of people have a sexual experience 
so early that they don't experience it as a sexual experience. It's just an idea in their head. Like it's that's what it sounded like for you at five. It's, it wasn't like, yeah, let's get this done. It's like, oh, I've seen this happen, mm-hmm. and let's try it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, the, there's, the, and they, yeah, and that's when they're trying with their stuffed animals and all kinds of things. These little people that have this little, this little vision. My dad's jacuzzi. Remember that oh, feeling that, the is that like a ten year old mm. or eleven year old like feeling the jacuzzi. Just it was like, whoa, okay, yeah. I, I, I didn't. I wish I was not a masturbating child, which is so funny because now adult? I. As an adult, I mean, kind of. I could yeah. masturbate more. I, I'm like ashamed. Not, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm like someone that is so um, caught up in my my busy life that, like, if my best time to masturbate is the morning. Like, it's just like meditation, right. and my masturbation becomes like a meditation practice, and then right. it works. But otherwise, I'm not someone that's like masturbating to like just rub one out. And right. I wasn't wasn't. And I, when I was young, I did. There wasn't shame around it. It's just I just didn't really explore it until i was like 17 or 18 uh, and so it's and i do believe that the that, I, that it's a really healthy thing like had i explored it more as a younger person i think it'd be a lot easier for me to um to like access my orgasms i don't think it's it, because it's not the easiest process for me to access and my body's always changing and right. so i think it's really healthy i'm like i wish i was that kid that was totally wanking my teddy bear amy yeah. Teach us about wet dreams. Wet what are, dreams. What are those? Ooh, How, are those How do those I've happen? had two in the last six months. Are they wet still? Like, are you still ejaculating? Oh, I fully ejaculated yeah. twice. And we can talk about it because I'm fascinated with the fact that my brain can send that signal down to my dick and have an orgasm in my mid-40s. Blows my mind. I mean, it's the same category as an energy orgasm, meaning you hear people that can breathe themselves into orgasm. So it's you're not using touch to have the orgasm and that your largest sex organ is your brain. You know, it's responsible for 90% of your sexual experience and that so that you can literally think yourself into orgasm that's what happens and that's what's happening and and this is my belief about it i haven't done a lot of research about it but but i i mean for me again someone is saying i'm not the easiest orgasmer like i'm a a tough safe to crack and it's crackable but it's a tough one but in my sleep i can have an orgasm like three three seconds if if i you know if i do you know how do you know it's three seconds because time in your sleep is i don't don't really know know, but it's the easiest thing where i'm just like oh I'm turning on right now. Oh, I just had an orgasm. Oh, I had another orgasm Whoa. in my and so I can have you know twenty in my sleep it, over and over again. Sometimes it's and sometimes I'm lucid dreaming and able to do that. But the minute I'm awake, it's not the case. And I think that my belief is that in the dream state, why that's so easily accessible is that our, our ego isn't getting in the way. You don't have this. We don't have that big shield that's right. up because mm-hmm. that part of ourselves, our being, our, our brain isn't active in our in our sleep. And then when I wake up, I'll, there it is. There's the shield. There's all the ways that I get in my way. And now I can't go and have the orgasm in, in three seconds over and over and over again. Um, it's a lot more difficult mm. to think myself into it. It's like yeah. the ego is what gets you laid, and then you got to get the ego out of the way <laughs> yeah. while you're getting laid. Totally. It is. It's, 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 all, it's, all, you know, it's all connected. And so wait, you said lucid dreams. You can have wet lucid dreams? I that have. That blows my mind. I, I never have, thought about that. I've only had, I've had only had two of them where in it I realized I was dreaming, and then I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to give myself a bunch of orgasms. Well, or so. give yourself not like, I'm going to go fuck that dragon. I didn't fuck a dragon. What I ended up doing was I was in a room full of dildos, and I just kept fucking all of them. <laughs> 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 Hopping around from each one. 
That's interesting because I've been trying to lucid dream lately and I've been getting really close and I've been doing all these techniques like the stare at your hand throughout the day and say, I'm looking at my hand. I have five fingers. This is my hand. So when you go into your dream, you can, you know, that's oh, one of the yeah. old tricks. Or, or you drink a bunch of water before you go to bed. So you have to wake up to pee because when you wake up and go back to bed, that's when you can get into the uh, state of being able to control your dreams in a lucid dream. Mm -hmm. So you have to wake up and go back to bed. That's when you have the memory of dreams even more. So anyway, yeah, I, I never even thought about the two combined. That's fascinating. Yeah. I want to do that. I've only had a few lucid dreams in my life. One of, I flew a few times and one time I stabbed a dude. It's like, oh, I'm dreaming. I'm going to stab this chef. And I just shit stabbed him. And he was just bleeding, looking at me like, what am I doing? I'm like, I hope this is a dream. <laughs> oh my God. And then I woke up and I came. Yeah, and, then I woke <laughs> and, up, then, and then there was calm everywhere. I don't know why I told you that lucid dream, but yeah, only a few lucid dreams. It's very rare for me. I've the only lucid dreams I've had. Actually, no, I had a flying one too, but was was related to sex. I've only had a couple, and I it wasn't trying to do it; it just happened that way. So yeah, it's, cool. and it was and it was it was awesome. It was magical, but yeah, I want to do that. Simon, so when did you lose your virginity? I was 15 years old, and her name was Cynthia Danley. If you're listening, Cynthia, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was funny because she was this hot chick that, can I say chick anymore? This beautiful human that went to my high school and then left and then came back. And everybody's like, oh, who's going to hook up with Cynthia? And she dated me and my friend and he had a party at his house. She had dated both of us. So she comes back to a party at his house and she chose me, so I had sex with her in his bed. Oh. And he didn't like that, so when I asked for a condom, he opened the door and he threw it at her. The <laughs> and then I had horrible sex, because it's never good the did, first yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say, did anyone have rubber. really good sex no. the first time? Yeah. No. And the second time was really good, because yeah. it wasn't a condom. The con Yeah, condoms, the technology behind yeah. them is yeah. still. And the, and the environmental impacts as well of condoms, that's why I've never tried them. That's why you've never, no, you've never tried them. Yeah, mm -hmm. bike to work and don't use condoms <laughs> all the <laughs> doing, time. Doing my part. Yeah, don't use toilet paper, don't use paper towel. Well, as a, as a newly single person, I'm back in the game of using condoms, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot think, about this. What are the best condoms out there? <sighs> I mean, it, uh, size size makes a difference, right? So in terms of the the for the penis owner, and so like to know what size works for you. If you have like a girthier or, or bigger head, then you want something that's girthier or bigger condom. But I'm a big fan of Lifestyle Skin. They're non latex. They are polyisoprene, and so it isn't. I mean, yes, latex allergies are really common, but the actual the, the actual material feels really nice. And for the condom wearer, they're from what I've heard is very comfortable. But condoms in general, they really I mean, I'm I'm all about them for safer sex. When people haven't been tested, I don't know testing status of partners. Then I'm gonna rock a condom, um, and I fucking hate them. Like they're so obnoxious. They're just I can feel the way they actually are irritating my skin. Like I can feel the way they kind of irritate my pussy a little bit in terms of the friction. No matter how much lube we use, no matter how slow we go, I don't have a latex allergy. It's just, it's not, it's what it's limited the technology that we have. But I mean, it's better than you know, just spreading the seed and, and opening the doors for all the right. terrible shit that can happen. But, and also then just the energetic exchange of the skin on skin. Now there is a barrier there, you know, talk about like right. empty and, it, and I don't think it can lead to empty sex, but I do feel like there's just this small way that it is getting, getting in the way of a deeper connection. 
It's lit like this little layer. Yeah, I agree. Do they still make condoms out of sheepskin? Yeah. They're really expensive, though. Yeah, they are. They're like six bucks a piece or something like that. And they don't protect against STIs, STDs. It's only for pregnancy. And they're like mm. kind of like a little sheepskin bag. I think it has a drawstring. It's an STI. It's, that's what the new way that we call you don't we don't really say STDs anymore because it's they're most of them are infections. Not so diseases. it's STIs, oh, sexually right. transmitted infection. But I still right. throw STD because that's what people know. Right, of. right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm already thinking about my next hunting trip. I'm going to go hunt some sheep. Yeah, and then you're going to make <laughs> some ba- some bags. Making wallets and condoms out of it. Yeah, they're ex- they're they're worth some some monies. I mean, I haven't I haven't even used one of those yet. But oh, that's I'm crazy. Trying. Were those the earliest condoms? Do you know about the history of I don't know birth control pro- prophylactics. You're What's talking. Pro- What's prophylactics are the our condoms are right. like the barriers. Oh. I don't know the history of them. That would be an interesting to, to know about like when they came about oh, during the venereal disease days. Yeah. When what, people used to call it VD. When did the plastics industry get involved? Yeah, the, the yeah. plastic yeah. I don't I yeah, I'm not sure. But the sheepskin, there's a way. Well there was yeah, no, that's like what is it, Don Juan or Casanova or something had a like a specific birth control method that had to do with a lemon. Don't quote me on this, everyone. But there's been, you know, some old, older ideas and in, in ways that people have utilized various natural ingredients as birth control. Wait, my, my mind's running wild with this lemon here. We need to look it up because <laughs> I just I just heard something about it that there's and I th- so I, I can't I can't be quoted that on it. Lemon but was used as birth control as some sort I'm just of Google earliest birth. Yeah, control. you can look up early. I, I don't know if this is earliest, but you can look it up that there's. And I, I'm just using this as an example that there is are natural or I know people that use neem oil that is like a natural oil that does not taste or smell good but they use that as a natural birth control still to this day some plenty of hippies are rocking that um, and then there's the there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there that people are getting created here we go with. earliest birth control is from 1550 BCE the Egyptian papyrus was a uh, use of honey Acacia, acacia, acacia leaves, and lint to be placed in the vagina to block sperm. It's a barrier. Acacia is what uh, is high in DMT. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. People use acacia and ayahuasca vine, and they mix together, and that's what they make ayahuasca out of. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of different. Yeah. That's one of the leaves that they. Sophium. What sophium is used in Greece? Sophium. They, uh, yeah, honey. That sounds like instant yeast infection. I don't know if I want that. I'm Yeah, you know the the most effective form of uh, birth control though is abstinence well teaching women to, <laughs> to read because half of all uh. births are unwanted and mm-hmm. when literacy rates go up in a lot of these developing countries women will then choose not to have as many babies mm-hmm. and the uh, birth rate goes way way down I believe that the old the oldest condoms discovered to date were recovered in the ruins of Dudley Castle in England and are dated back to 1640 they were made of animal gut and were most likely used to prevent the spread of sexually transmitted diseases during the English Civil War Casanova living in the 18th century Italy described the use of lambskin covering to prevent pregnancy however condoms only became widely available in the 20th century Mm. 20th century something about lemon it might be Don Juan someone was rocking a lemon I don't know much about it what it is but animal animal gut see there you go back to the animal products Oh, oh! So they use uh, yeah, like the lining intestines. of yeah, yeah, probably yeah, like probably an, intestines. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That would make sense. Do you yeah. know that in te- uh, sheep intestines? This makes a ton of sense. Um, 
are what you make a lot of sausage casings out of. Ah, and it holds. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so you get Makes a long sense. sheep yeah. intestine. There's a phallic symbol. Yeah, and and I made a sausage recently that With, I gave to you. Yes, yeah. we did. Uh, out of the pork, and then you get sheep uh, intestines, and you put it over this sausage grinder, and then it comes out just like a big dick, and then you twist it, and that's what you make the sausage links out of. Someone's eating sausage right now as we record. I love sausage. I love sausage, so but they're thinking of big dick as they bite into yeah. it. And so it makes it makes perfect yeah. sense. I didn't. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Amy, as you have become the p- sexual powerhouse that you have, have you noticed any kind of repression or censoring uh, around your work? There's a oh, ton of it. We, well, it, in a lot of ways. One, we, we've been getting kicked off Instagram like once every three months for really? for just for talking about sex. Yeah, you, you can have all the pictures of all the booties twerking, and that's fine. But we, you know, we talk we talk something. I would say something about like masturbation. We use the word masturbation. We like, we'll lose our Instagram. And we'll, we'll really? Get it back. What? Yeah. Who? I Facebook, Facebook, Instagram yeah. hates. They're hating on sex. You know, it's, wow. there's a lot of censoring going around around, around sexual content. Um, and so that is one of the modalities. Someone that we flags it, then they take yeah. it down. Then they take it down, and they're like, and, you know, like "We, I forgot what happened recently, but they said we were trying to sell sex. It was we got it back, but right. it was it's a whole whole deal. So there's that piece, which is kind of it's it's it is frustrating because it is one of the bigger ways that we can um, you know get the message out there in. Uh, not just you know, there's podcasts is is even bigger. Was one and actually even the podcast world is getting censored a little bit. Not in what we say in um, the words that we can use in the description. Like if you use the word fuck or pussy, you can't use those in the description. Um, iTunes might actually pull you Whoa. down. But you can say cock, you know, cock's fine, but not pussy and fuck. Interesting. So there's little, there's just these little ways where there's censorship and small scale pieces. But I also see that there's a lot of really good stuff going on too. Um, I mean, I just love, I love the, the, this world and uh, the podcast world. And we have listeners, you know, in the Midwest, in the middle of nowhere that are writing us and just thinking, you know, there's women that are hiding from their husbands, listening to us talk about sex and then implementing some of the things that they're learning, still not telling their partners because there's still a shame within the relationship, but they're actually like still working on their own empowerment. And uh, so it's, yeah, there's, they're seeing both sides. That's the, badass. Uh, yeah, it feels really good. We get a lot. You, do you, you get a you get a lot of fan fan mail too, I'm sure. And ours ours is all about sex and empowerment. You know, we get a lot of fan mail from people that are like, you know, you helped me to save my marriage. You helped yeah. me to leave my partner or have been an abusive relationship. Yeah, I just get a lot of dick pics from surfers. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't get dick pics. I don't yeah. get fan mail. I get like DMs. Is that what you mean? Like actual letters in the mail you get? I would emails. Okay. We get a lot of emails. Is fan it, emails. Yeah, yeah. Fan, fan mail emails. My yeah. listeners are old school. They send me a written note with a printed out dick pic. Yeah. <laughs> they mail, it. snail mail. You know, yeah, we get a lot of emails and, so that, and that just, that feels really good. So for something that started as a passion project. Yeah. Rad. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good to help, help the world. People are terrified of sex. They I, I, are. I started this thing off with the, the War of Art, this book that I love, and he has this chapter in it about fundament- fundamentalism and art, and he describes it in this very beautiful way, which is that um, fundamentalism is an orientation towards the world where you believe that something was pristine and perfect in past times, and if we are moral and virtuous and we can make it back to this past time through control and through repression, that is what will lead to a better world. Mm -hmm. Whereas the artist believes that 
the scope of morality is long. They believe that the truth is still out there. They believe in art and exploration. And fundamentalists are terrified of women because mm-hmm. they represent that. And, and sexuality is... There's, it's nowhere greater represented than in our sexuality. Yeah. I feel like it's very American that we're so uh, sexually uptight. You go to other places yeah. in the world, it's so refreshing when you go to Brazil or yeah. France or these places where they're just like, relax, it's yeah. just sex. You're like, fuck, I'm just conditioned by the culture I was raised in because I feel that way naturally, but my I'm fighting this nat- this natural gut feeling with this conditioned brain all the time, even still. It's crazy. Yeah, America's not that. And I live in California, from California. Yeah. Strange. It's, Hippie parents. Like, I wasn't forced to, but the culture and just like, you can't even show a baby butt on a billboard or a TV, but you can show murder. Like, it's just so backwards. Yeah. It's really backwards. Yeah. Well, and I, there's this book called Vagina. Just that's it, Vagina. And yeah, I'm in that book, I think. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably in it. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, in wrote, it. Simon wrote the foreword to yeah, the book. <laughs> so, about the vagina. And, and she talks about. Um, one of her, and this isn't like any sort of proven theory, but she, coming back to the multi-orgasmic thing and women being so powerful, right? When women can uh, more easily have these like multi-orgasmic experiences, and when you see them, I know when I've had them, it looks like straight up witchcraft. Like it looks like some crazy voodoo shit where right. I am just blasting off and like screaming and yelling and losing right. it. And so she was like, you know, and this is one of her theories of just like hmm, maybe that's where the idea of like burning women at the stake, you know, came from. And as a and, and it's not. There's other things. Behind that, but that you see this that women are that powerful, like some sorcery shit. So we need to go like burn them and say that they're witches and that they're trying to, you know, bring Satan out to, to into this. So I, I get it. I get. I mean, I don't support it, but yeah, women women are powerful. They're power, yeah. powerhouses, and people yeah. are terrified yeah. of them. Well, and you're also um, like part of what you do is this process of self examination mm-hmm. through the topic of sexuality. Yeah. But you're you're putting a micro scope up to a subject that a lot of people are terrified of and I think that a lot of artists are using that process of self-examination to move Mm -hmm. through the world and people who are terrified of that process um, really don't like that it really threatens them and and you can I mean we've talked about this before but the link between psychedelics and sex Mm -hmm. and I think that part of that link is through the the, it, it, this process of self um, exploration, yeah, well, well psychedelics and asking you, questions and mm-hmm. being and, and not being afraid to question paradigms that you grew up in and that you're constantly fi- fighting against. As Simon was saying, mm-hmm. you know, you you grow up in this world and it's like this container that then you need to question. And sexual experiences and psychedelics are two of the most powerful ways to question those um, paradigms. Well, and with sex, I think people, you, it's the same. You can make the choice to be as you are forever you're going to be pretty bored you know at some point if you if you're a sexual being and you never question you know why do i think the way i do why what do i really want and desire and and how has it changed from what it was 10 years ago because it has you know it to if you and then you know what contributed no, to me being just, but ladies just give me a second run at that double blow job i'll do better yeah he's, it's different he's a changed man but i think a lot of folks don't choose to ask those questions because it's, it's, it's scary and then it brings up that thing about the masculinity, you know, I'm I'm a man. I'm supposed to know everything there is about sex. I'm not supposed to ask questions or um, need direction. And yeah, and and it goes with 
the kind of the, my the belief. Are you talking about fundamentalists and artists? You know, the artist has said we might say, and it's a generalization, but they might say, "I have a thought. Why is it here?" And a fundamentalist might be more like, "I have a thought, so it must be true." Mm. You know, and, and that I don't know if you're saying that exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's a relationship with certainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the here. The, here's what I feel and think, so it must be must be right. Versus like, here's what I feel and think. Why? You know, what, what does that mean? Why is that here? How is that shaping me? What can I do with it? What's beneath it? What am I wanting more of? Like, how, how is that maybe a lie? You know, how is that a mask that I'm wearing? Mm. Uh, those are all questions that I bring into sex and most places actually. And psychedelics help to open that up. Hence why they're scary for the world too. Do you think any psychedelics go hand in hand with sex? Not, I mean, psychedelics like LSD, mushrooms, uh, DMT. Because mm. I feel they sort of don't i mean i've I've had those experiences like obviously mdma or like certain things help but is mdma considered a psychedelic i don't know if it is i don't think they put it in the category of psychedelic but i'm not an expert to speak to speak on yeah that but i don't think that it would go it's it's uh, um not traditional at least yeah is yeah. it i forgot the actual name for it, but no, it, I, I agree though i, I kind of go I, inside I, yeah, I, and i don't I, get i'm like i want to like, like get down on all fours and go like run in the in yeah. nature i don't feel like getting my groove on on any of the psychedelics you mean? No. yeah like lsd yeah. or mushrooms yeah. or i've heard some from some people who have had sex and lsd and i have haven't actually had sex analysis, but that it's been really powerful because all of your senses are heightened. And I've had actually heard stories of people who didn't like having their nipples touched. And after having sex and LSD and getting their nipples touched, their nipples were activated. Interesting. Uh, But I think it also is a mixed bag because it can come with all the other stuff that, you know, the really heady or whatever, all the other processes that come with it. Um, I've had sex on a combination of ketamine and GHB and thought I was fucking God. Right. <laughs> and, and I was like saying to my partner at the time, I was like, do you feel that? And he's like, what? And I was like, God's here. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm God or you're God. Are we fucking for God? He's like, yeah, oh, I feel that. Right. Yeah, it was pretty powerful. We're three-way with God. <laughs> ketamine goes good with GHB? You're not supposed to put them together. Right. No, I mean if you look at the the, I forgot what, where it is that you find out the safety pro- which oh. things you're not supposed to supposed to put together. Right. Um. I just happened to do that. Is there a safety protocol? Well, there, you don't, don't mix alcohol with G. I know that. I think yeah, yeah you don't mix alcohol with with G. Yeah, but but in ketamine, I don't know exactly why, but they don't recommend them together. But yeah. I found God in them, so I'm not telling yeah. that you should all right. do that. Everyone's but different. it yeah. worked yeah. for me, and God showed up. What dose yeah. of, of GHB do you think is safe to take? I think it depends on a lot of things. Again, not an expert in this, but for me as someone who likes GHB. And, and for people who don't know what this is. And I can't really, it's GABA something, can't tell you, go look it up, but it's an illegal substance. It's a liquid. It's really easy to take too much of it. Um, and they the recommended dosage is, from what I know, is anywhere between three to five milliliters. So that's not a lot. That's And five milliliters is a teaspoon. Yeah. Um, but... There, some G is stronger than other G. If you, it depends how much you've had to eat. It depends how much you you weigh. How hydrated are you? Have you had alcohol? There's so many factors that come into play. GHB stands or is a is short for gamma hydroxybutrate. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's why I don't gamma. You know, yeah, and it gets a bad rap because it's known as the date rape drug. The date one rape of the, drug. One if, of the many. Yeah. Yeah. If. Uh, you, take too, you take too much of it. Yeah, you pass yeah. out. I've passed right. out on it. Me too. It's a I, fine line. Like It's like ketamine. Like You could easily do too much. You'd rather play it on the safe side and do too little. Yeah. Both of those you can go yeah. in a hole. Yeah. The, the, and, and I understand that with G. I've, I've actually felt that I've taken to it. For sex, why, I mean, people are like, why would you do that? For, for, it, it, for me, it heightens all of my senses. Um, I all 
all touch just feels amazing mm-hmm. on it and it feels authentic too it's it feels like again i let let down one of my, my force field uh, a little bit and so i can feel a lot more and so every single touch is like yeah incredible. it's a it's amino it's an amino acid and it goes right through you it's yeah. like a lot of doctors and dentists use it because it doesn't have a lot of harmful effects and you basically get drunk too it's like better than alcohol you get kind of this buzz and you're like laughy and loose and mm-hmm. But your body but processes it yeah. better than alcohol. Yeah, yeah it's way naturally better. metabolized, yeah. so you just have a great sleep and well, you wake it's up. Yeah. The next endogenous. You, you have it. You have it in your in your body. So, but it's just easy to go overboard on it. And I felt that with it too when I've taken a little too much, and I felt like, oh, I'm not breathing as much as I probably should. Like my heart is moving really slowly, so I can see why it's. It'd be so great if drugs were decriminalized and you could have the choice of like, all right, cool, we're going to go downtown and we're going to have like some kombucha and maybe a little bit of GHB and like going to check out this elixir. Like I would never drink alcohol again. Yeah. It's not a good drug. It's not good to fuck on. And it's it just makes me angry and less confident in myself. Yeah, I think and I I get what you were saying earlier about. Uh, as you know, as we go older and the alcohol, it, because I remember at one point when it actually did seem like it had more of a positive effect in my body. But for me now, one drink, I can I can like let down some inhibitions a little bit. I can feel a little more juicy in my body. But after that, it's all downhill. Like if we're gonna try to have sex and I had three glasses of wine, it's not gonna be as great as it would be if I was sober or if I had that one glass yeah. or half glass or something. I've been swapping it out with kombucha. Yeah, I've been making my own uh, your own, your own scoby. Well, well, you, uh, well, kombucha has, has right. kombucha has a certain amount of alcohol in it. Uh, you put a bunch of sugar in it, and it ferments. Right. That's why there's that silly law that you need to be 21 to get certain kombucha, but you right. need to drink like way more than your body could handle right. to actually get drunk on it. But it naturally has a, a little bit of alcohol in it. But the point I was making is that it's it's been a good habitual switch for me. If I'm feeling at the end of the day like I want a, a drink, just to switch to some kombucha. So you gave, gave up the beer dog. and you moved to the the booch. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, that feels good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of MDMA. I've been having some MDMA uh, like sexual experiences. But one thing that's kind of funny is that like more times than not, it won't even lead to sex. Yeah. Like it'll just be like, let's just talk for a couple hours like and hug it pet. out. Yeah. yeah. Let's just pet each other. Can you <laughs> orgasm on MDMA? Have you tried a lot? Of, I've heard it from a lot of um, folks that it's hard to orgasm on MDMA, especially penis owners. Yeah. Mm. No, I can, but uh, you need to have MDMA that's not mixed with speed. Yeah, oh, it's go. the speed that's in the way of the... the uh, yeah, I've had bad experiences. I remember like m- one of my first times ever having what I thought was like, well, it's MDMA. It was like one of these red pressed pills from the fucking devil. And I was at Burning Man and uh, someone gave me two of them. I'm like, sweet. All right, I'm going to take ecstasy and this melt my face off. And my heart just started going like, doosh, 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 doosh. And I'm like, oh boy, this isn't good. And I was in the middle of this big fucking party. And I was like, this is not good. I'm going to have a heart attack. So I biked back to my tent. And this is like back when I was like 19 or something like that. And I just laid in my little tent and put on my iPod and listened to Jack Johnson for like four hours and focused on my breath. Oh, yeah, you're a smart 19-year-old. R- Except that I think the advice now is not to go into your tent alone and to actually go to like the Zendo or somewhere to receive support. But still, still smart that you, Jack Johnson. Those are cool, breath. though. The, the Zendos are so great. Yeah. Man, can you imagine if we incorporated those in our culture? Do you know what those are? Yeah, that's where they, the people donate their time to help you, people who are having a bad trip or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I was going to do it this year, but I was selfish. 
It's and a I, yeah, yeah. It's a big choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't gotten there yet, but I was thinking about okay, I'm going to do one day at the Zendo Project and go help. And, and I just can, got anyone lost. can go do the training, or they I don't know if anyone can, but they have the training that you go to, and then you can go and like contribute some time. It, to yeah, it. it's a good example of not treating drugs as a criminal issue yeah. and more of a psychological issue. Yeah, and setting up a framework where you train people to deal with it that yeah, way. Yes, it's, it's like it's not like you're bad. You made mistakes. Now you must suffer. It's like all right, yeah, you may have taken too much of this so let's you know guide you through this or support you through this so that you don't hurt yourself more or have uh, um, you know go go into the darkness and, to, and that's what people do they crawl into their tent alone and it doesn't um, doesn't help them often it depends what you're on too <laughs> unless you're Kyle and you have Jack Johnson you know how to He's jacked as Johnson. He jacked, jacked as Johnson. Johnson. And he's in Hawaii. Yeah, well, that would be awesome if we had that in this world, though. If you just were downtown and you had taken too much of something, and you're like, "Oh, I can just go to the Zendo and be supported through this." Yeah, there, that's so what legalizing epic. drugs would have. Yeah, there are so many aspects. I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but aspects of Burning Man that you could include in society, yeah. like the temple, a space for grieving, mm-hmm. oh. where it, where it's safe to just openly grieve. The minute I walk into the temple of Burning Man, I'm not even going there to grieve something in particular, but I walk, take, take one step and I start crying. Yeah. And it and it feels like it feels really important. Like it's helping me. Yeah, no dogma attached, no religion, yeah. just a place to go feel. Yeah. 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 Feel and, and let go and yeah, and then especially in a culture that's where I don't feel like I can walk down. If I walk down the street crying, people are really concerned or like maybe I feel embarrassed. And at Burning Man in general, and there's the temple, Burning Man in general, I like I've let myself lose lose my shit in the middle of a party, just bawling in my lap for 45 minutes, and people there are like, "Yep, yeah, that that's normal." Yeah, and then, and that feels really really good. Yeah, it's a special place. Mm-hmm. You're a burner now. Yeah. You're a second year. My buddy texted me yesterday. He's like, 11 months and 11 days till burning. He's already, till the, no, already till the man burns. So I guess till the end of burning. <laughs> till the man burns. <laughs> yeah. I was in, you, they have the countdown clock online. Oh, man. Like, is it, le- yeah, it's, it's pretty far away. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hitting a nerve in some way, man. A lot of, a lot of people feel empty in our current society and they get a real nourishment there that they never knew was possible. Yeah, I used to not understand and make fun of it. And then I went, I was like, oh, you took me out on my first bike ride the first day. Cause I yeah. Oh, that's the best to take my... someone on their first bike ride yeah. and then see the jo- their eyes light up. You got yeah. to be there for that, Kyle? Yeah, I got to do that this year is take some people that have never been like at night onto the playa and they're just going, what oh the my fuck? God. Yeah, they've never seen something, cool. something like that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I've been here once before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me this. show you around. Yeah. So there's center camp. Yeah. <laughs> you told me that it was especially um, cool for you just to be able to kind of open up in a culture where you said that, you know, in L.A. sometimes you feel like you need to put up some barriers oh, yeah, and not yeah. be as open as you would naturally be yeah. to people. Because it's like it's a, a culture of scarcity. It's a culture of like, mm. I want something from you and right. take it rather than yeah. being in a space where everyone has this uh, mindset of abundance. Well, nobody asks you at Burning Man, what do you do? Yeah. No, but yeah. you wouldn't dare ask that there. That's like taboo. I had like one like, person what do ask him, like, why are you asking? Yeah, we're not it's talking like, about that. It's like, shit, get the fuck out of here yeah. with that. Like, this is where nobody cares what you do, you know? Yeah, that's it's like, rad. It's so rad. Yeah, yeah. I love. I, I I have and I've or I've had people that know what I do, and it's like, oh, how's business? I'm like, do not ask me this on yeah. the playa. This is not. We're not going there. We're just yeah. trying to really be here and be present. What are you working on? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. Working to on just, my tan. Get out of my way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just people just just being in all in in this 
insanity this yeah love it i have a love hate thing with it I, it's a it's like a, a thing where I, I it's a little bit of an addiction but i literally leave there want red already looking forward to go back next year but i have many nights where i'm like how much longer do i have to be in this place oh yeah i go through that all the time <laughs> get me the fuck out of here i never want to leave this place yeah but love and hate are the same thing like if if a girl's like i hate you like she loves you yeah I feel something for you. Right. Yeah. If, you're, if they There's ignore you, if they ignore you, that's the worst thing that could happen. Not like, I hate you, you fucking asshole. And throw, you're like, oh, she loves me. Yeah. It's when they just ignore you. That's what's more painful. So I think love and hate Probably are not the opposite. Same with art too, right? Like you'd rather come out with a song that a bunch that gets a bunch of oh, hate yeah. rather than feel if, something. You feel something and then they get no ignored. One gives a yeah. Shit. Yeah. With anything. Yeah. I, um, I, it's like everything under a magnifying glass, right? Because I think in this everyday life out here, I, I do the same thing. Like I love this and I hate this, but it's not as extreme. And Burning Man's like the extreme version of that. Um, and then I thought of also this, I have someone who I'm not going to share their personal information, but who, who recently told me that they're having an affair with their 20 year marriage and they have two kids, actually 10 year marriage. And they no, have two say kids. their name. Come on. I'm like, say their name. Come but on. As I'm talking to them about this, and this is what Esther Perel would say is that like the, the, the search for aliveness, you know, to feel not just something, but to feel like, like ultimately alive is it's a it's it's profound in the the measures you know the degrees of what people will go through to feel that aliveness whether it is having an affair whether it is going on some crazy psychedelic journey or going to the middle of the desert where there is you know nothing and but there's just wildness and, and insanity is people are looking for that they're they're wanting to really feel like their ultimate essence of being this alive being and they're so it's, it's really limited to how they can go there do you think that that's in a in search of knowing more about themselves or do you think that that's kind of like over intellectualizing it I, I think it could be yeah. I don't think there's one one angle or one direction but I I my belief would be that we are so cultured and conditioned especially this day and age to be you know numbed out and I th remember Chris Ryan saying um that to feel comfortable is to not to feel anything, right? And so people are so wanting to just, like we're, we're taught to be comfortable, but what comfort is, is the absence of feeling. And so we're, we're just, we're conditioned for that. And yet it drives us crazy. You know, we're, we're bored and we're numbed out and we're like, ah, oh, I just want to, like, I want to feel that juiciness again. Yeah. I was saying scary. that this morning about wanting, like I drove by these truck, these guys were working construction in the street and they were just like, these gnarly Santa Cruz, you know, fucking tatted up men working first thing in the morning. And I just had this feeling. I was like, fuck, man, I've become such a pussy because of the career I'm in that I used to work at a factory. I worked in a potato sack factory when I was in high school and community college where I where I drove a fucking fork, uh, a, a forklift and I cleaned these machines. My hands were dirty and I'd come home after a long shift and I literally punched in a clock in a warehouse. And it was like, you know, I just felt like I felt something and I would feel tired mm -hmm. and I'd feel um, as weird as it was. It was just like I miss that mm -hmm. because I'm just so comfortable all the time. Yeah. I'm always just chilling. Yeah. And it's become it's, I think it's uh, not good sometimes yeah. to be everyone wants it and then you get it. You're like, wait, this I want to feel something. Mm. Yeah. And you've been weird. taking a lot of steps to do that you've been working on farms yeah i'm going to the farm like, again yeah i exactly i yeah. do do shit just to like i'm yeah. shoveling horse shit and mm -hmm. fucking ranching yeah. like cattle fucking herding sheep and doing all this weird shit and like it's pretty cool though it's like a real rewarding feeling just to go work i'm going to work uh, she this girl i go stay on a farm she has a 300 acre farm in 
near uh, like the Sierra foothills. And she has a 30 acre walnut orchard. So it's time to go prune and harvest the walnuts. And it's like a big job. You're gonna, I'm going to go up there. I've never done that before. And just fucking walnut harvest. Mm-hmm. See what that's like. And just work. And I'm so tired at the end of the day. And you, that meal tastes so good. And you sleep so good. Mm. And you wake up at the 530 in the morning. And it's still dark. And you're up. Like It's like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you were doing that all the time, every day, and that's all you could do, and you couldn't, you know, you were stuck at the walnut farm, and you didn't have the ability to grow and to do something else. You felt like this was, you're born into this on the ranch, and you couldn't really go and pursue other dreams. Then you get sick of it. For sure. Right? So this is like it's the, a novelty. This is the balance too of like how you know having the balance of of having the choice and the free will, but also like getting your hands in the yeah. Earth. I think so, it's a balance of it all. I also got I did this thing recently, which was a crash course and a survival a survival course, and I did this thing where you go. Uh, you build a primitive shelter, which is just like making something to sleep in out of sticks and grass and whatever else, uh, purifying water and starting a fire. Mm. So I started a fire, it took like four hours, it was the most part of the day was uh, starting this fire with a friction fire. Me and this other guy who was in the thing I took and when that fire ignited and we created fire, maybe the best feeling I've ever had in my life. Mm. We both came. We, it was like mind <laughs> orgasm. It was the same feeling I had when I went hunting for the first time in Kauai. I killed this boar and I fed the whole neighborhood, came around and everyone was eating and I just felt this like, ah, oh, my purpose. I did something yeah. that's not of status or of money. or It was just like this real primal feeling. It was like, whoa, I've never felt this before. I want this more, you know? And it's also, what's well, create, there's creation, there's one, but also it's very natural or uh-huh. organic. You know, it's, it's, there isn't this outside thing that is um, like a technology behind it other than your hands. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe, I don't know how you killed the boar, but there seems to be like, there's with my hands. You were stabbed hands? it. Yeah. Okay, and it yeah. was exactly it. And it's also that, yeah, that uh, I felt like, oh, a surge in my DNA or yeah. something. Like, this is like what all my ancestors have done forever. Yeah. Well, I'm the first generation or second or third to not do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah a what a is line- it? There's a lineage involved in yeah, it. Yeah, it was a trip. It was a natural high that was so cool. Yeah, there's a good quote in, in this book that I keep referring to, The War of Art, where he says, we don't create art. And I think you could also... Um, relate this to like what you're talking about like any kind of primal thing that you do says we don't create art because we think it's going to make the world a better place we do it because we're like a cat that's drawn to pouncing on a mouse Mm -hmm. which i I always felt was more true for me like when there was anything that i really wanted to do whether it was to create something or go back into some kind of primal just task it's not like you can say like oh yeah well i'm gonna do this because it's good for the environment or because i want to get here in life but uh, there's a kind of magnetism to it also that just feels a lot more true for me Mm -hmm. and it's it's at the root of more of my decisions and picasso said that the meaning of life is to create and the purpose of life is to share it or it was the purpose of life is to create and the meaning of life. One of the two, but I get what he's saying. Like, it's the, the action for yourself feels good, but then to share it with the world. Yeah. Like, that's a good feeling, too. It's both. It's not just creating it. It's then sharing it, you yeah. know? How do you, how do you do that? You're pretty good at actually pulling that off. Like, you are, like, I feel like you, you certainly have the creativity to do art, right? But it would be very easy for you that, to then not share it with the world. Like, what's your yeah. process? What's the conversation inside your head when you're like, okay, this is ready 
If I laugh at it, then it's if I watch something back or I make a song and it makes me laugh and I did it, I'm like, okay, then it's good to go. That's my test. (laughs) Like if I laugh at myself, if it's a dumb video, just shoot for Instagram and I watch it right back, I'm like, ha, okay, then it's ready. So Mm. I have to laugh at it. Mm. Yeah, for for at least for a comedy thing, you know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and your stuff's very it's very immediate. Like you do you create it very quickly and then you yeah. put it out very quickly. It's a good feeling. It's weird. It's like a shallow thing, I'll admit. It's like to but you you know, I just want to make people laugh. And if people are laughing, I'm like, Oh, I provided a service for these people in their day who probably weren't laughing all day and I got them through the day a little better, you That's know? Joy or creating yeah. joy. I mean, I guess I don't know, but the, the maybe there's parts of it that's like feeding your you know, your ego and you feel like you feel purposeful, but like you're bringing joy yeah. to the world. That's a what, joy what a great to feeling. the world. Yeah. It's Christmas forever, man. It is. <laughs> yeah, I know it's true. That. It's true. That's and that's when I feel the most uh purpose is when I'm getting people to smile or laugh cuz so many people are in a lot of pain and miserable that feels good to just get a laugh, you know? It's a good feeling to get a laugh. Mm-hmm. It's a magical thing. Are you those people? So I'm, I'm, I'm think I'm one of these people that um, a lot of folks who aren't wouldn't describe as like the shiniest of humans. They really gravitate towards me, um, and they really want to be my friend. And I'm and Wait, the shiniest, of not humans? the shiniest no. of humans. Are yeah. uh, but they're, they're like they see me and they're just like. I want to be your friend. I'm like, why do you want to be my friend so much? I don't even really know you. And there, and there, there's something. And I, people have told me they're like, because you have so much light, like you bring so much joy naturally. And because I'm also a very positive person, and so there's something in me that um, I've been told emanates like this kind of joyousness. And so people who who maybe are at their dimmer switches a little turned down, they kind of like they want to latch onto that. Yep. Do you guys experience that? Yeah, too? absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, sometimes to a fault that I don't like it because you're then you're responsible for like being the provider and it could be draining as fuck because like I'm a nice person and then you want to help everyone and you can't and sometimes it's energy vampires will yeah. get you mm-hmm. and they drain me like fucking crazy and then I become reclusive and antisocial which isn't the way you're supposed to be and that's what we were talking about it's yeah. why Burning Man's so rad it always comes back to Burning Man <laughs> <laughs> If you feel lost, yeah. go get yeah. lost of Burning Man. Yeah, well, and, and also the feeling of needing to always be on. People talk about um, oh, yeah. Robin Williams having that issue, sure. that he always felt like he Well, it ended good for on. him. Yeah, no, he's yeah. solid. He's solid. So I, I think just give all your energy away and always be on and just give until you don't have any more. Well, did you, you have a, yeah, limited supply. Did you ever see Robin Williams once, even in an interview, never not be performing? Like, who are you really? Same with Jim Carrey. Like, he recently, it looks like he's been enlightened somehow. I don't know what happened to Jim Carrey, but he I seems was, enlightened. Gosh, was it? Really it might have been. I'm Something happened, but wh- you see it with like Robin Williams in every interview. He's always just doing anything. No, but, but, but it's like, well, who? God, what, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, you're like a mad genius. Like, yeah. When do you did ever you, stop? When did you notice that about yourself that you had to get a rein in on being a performer because it was draining for you? When did I notice it? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if it was just one moment. I think it's just. The way I've always been, but like I'm able to, like right now I'm not performing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm saying Robin Williams on any interview, he's just always just going 100 miles an hour and doing a song and dance. It's like, whoa, that's gnarly. So it's not like that. Mm-hmm. I guess there's maybe layers to it or degrees of how, but yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I'm so curious if you're saying he's always on, but then, so it's kind of like a mask that you put on at certain times and then you, and for most folks, for you, you, right now you're not wearing the mask, you're not performing, but you know when to put it on, you know when to take it off and you have a clear distinction of when you're putting on and taking off instead of just always having on, not really knowing who you really are. Yeah, I guess it's a persona thing, you know, it's just like a persona that you take on, but yeah, it's. 
it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do that with hu- I notice that with humor because I I have the ability to be very sarcastic and playful and silly and crack jokes, but I I have to watch it because I'm like, when am I doing that to avoid being real? Right. You know, when am I doing it to avoid authentic connection? Right. And I have these like silly, playful things. It will come out in very serious moments. Sometimes like the most sacred of moments, and I just like want to crack a joke. Totally. I'm, like, I'm uncomfortable. Right. And then, and so to watch the mask, that mask. Yeah. You know, when is it authentic? I do that a lot. Yeah. Mars looking for the joke. Yeah. Sometimes it's helpful though because that's yeah. that, like I've. I'm super into this multi-orgasmic thing. Every dude I've met who claims he can do it is a fucking weirdo without a sense of humor. <laughs> who are you so, talking about? Just people like I, the the overly serious ultra spirituals that want to talk about <laughs> life and purpose. And you're like, fucking get over yourself. Yeah, Come exactly. On. Yeah. Settle. That's well, you and that's a, add a little play in there too. Yeah, you, a, a little bit of yeah. both. I don't really trust a lot of folks who are just all serious all the time. Yeah. Give me yeah. the give me the turmeric, save the charged crystals. Well, it's like <laughs> it's like Sam Harris. We were talking talking about like Chris always says Chris Ryan's like does he ever laugh I'm, I don't think I've ever heard him laugh you know I listened to a Sam Harris podcast uh, with his wife who is also a meditation teacher she just wrote a book called Consciousness and they started it and they started cracking up wow. both of them. I had never heard Sam Harris laugh and I was like oh good good and I'm not you. bashing good. Sam Harris no no we're not but it's like oh it's good for you dude you have that side too. yeah you're human yeah well, I think I'll just uh, kind of tangent, but I think a lot of people forgot how to play, right? Like they played when they were younger and then when they were teenagers. I know a number of these people where it wasn't cool to be playful anymore if, uh, for in, in certain communities, right? And so they shelved that. And I know people who are in their 30s who are trying to relearn how to be playful again. Yeah. And I, I'm someone who I, I actually, that's always been there. In fact, sometimes I probably could be a little less playful, but like, really? You you forgot that you forgot how to how to add that in there. So I'm wondering if that's maybe something for Sam Harris too. Yeah. Did you forget how to play? Well, that, and, Chris, and not <laughs> Sam, to keep crowing. Sam. <laughs> well, Chris Ryan again, who I always quote because he's just such a smart guy in our life, and, and he knows he, how to play. Well, he does, and and he's just said, dude, I always was around the smartest people, and I always want to be the smartest person in the room. And he's like, I'd rather hang out with people like you, Simon, who are silly and funny and laugh. He's like, that's, I want to be around that. Mm-hmm. Not around like the serious intellectual. He's like, I did that. It's not fun, you know? Yeah. Which, that's a good compliment, I think. Yeah, it's a great compliment. Because he's the smartest guy I know, mm-hmm. besides Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Kyle's, Kyle's a pretty smart guy. He's like, I, yeah. I was doing a, um, a podcast with a super smart dude uh, named Peter Atia, who's his doctor and also has a lot of interesting thoughts on life and philosophy. And he said, you know, I, if I think too much about my legacy, I miss my entire life. Mm-hmm. And when you get too serious about what your mark's going to be and how you're going to be remembered, you miss the whole thing. Yeah. You miss the whole fucking thing. Whereas if you can be a little a little funny, it's like, you know, you, you tell a joke and then it's poof, it's out. It's into the world and it's gone. Yeah. And then it's on to the next moment. It's a, it's a very strange just tempo to move through life with. Do you two feel like you're concerned with your legacy? Like, do you have a lot of thought mm. and energy going into your legacy? I don't give a fuck. I know. I don't really give a fuck. I about think my I already did it. Like, honestly, like, I look back, I think I peaked early. Like, I did these funny movies that are forever going to be in the culture that people still come up like, dude, scary movie was so funny. Like, you made my whole. Like, I think I already did that. So I don't care. Like, I interviewed Tupac. I was in these big studio movies. I was on the. So I feel like I already kind of left whatever mark that most people will never even get to say they did. So. I'm kind of in the clear now, so the pressure's off to leave a mark of what I did, you know? I could say, oh, I want to keep going, but I really don't care, which might be a bad thing. Well, you told me once, though, that the reason you like podcasting is because 
it doesn't need to be all on you. Yeah. Right? Like you can actually turn the attention around and start asking questions and kind of shine the spotlight on other people. Yeah. And you said that that's that you're in a time in your life when that feels now like a more natural thing to do. Yeah, it's way more it's like the like the amount of people that are digesting the podcasting that I'm doing are so small compared to the music and film and all this other shit I've done, but it's way more interesting to me. So it's not about like leaving a I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I already got that out of the way. Is that t- does that help, Your Honor? Yes, yes. <laughs> I yeah, I I get that. I can't say that I don't give I don't give a fuck at all. But I don't I don't think I'm driven by the idea of you know the the memories of what how people are going to think about me and what it, you know. But I am I I creation is big for me. You know, I am driven right. by that, and I love the feeling that I get from creation. But it isn't a I created this and, and what other people think based on what I created. But I mean, I can't say it's not that that's probably there a little bit. I'm not, I'm not that, that pure. Right. Uh, but yeah, legacies. Well, like what about kids? Like, oh, like some people are like, Oh, I got to have kids and pass on my name. Like, yeah. I don't really feel that that's like, I have that in ingrained in me to do that. Really. I would yeah. want to have kids selfishly to experience it, but not to carry on the name of my family. Mm-hmm. Seems like I a was lot a whoopsie. I wasn't even supposed to be born. I found that <laughs> out. I took acid with my dad recently. You just found out you weren't supposed to be well, born? Well, I kind of already knew, but then me and my dad took acid together, which was crazy. And he was telling me all this shit I didn't know. And yeah, one of the things that I already kind of knew this was, but I think half the population probably wasn't supposed to have it. So I don't, that doesn't make me feel anything at all, really. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. most people probably, most aren't planned from their parents. It just happened and they mm-hmm. had the kid. Uh, but yeah, my dad was telling me all this crazy shit. We took LSD together and it was heavy. It was heavy. And he was telling me all this shit about like my, his dad, my grandpa that I never met was like a spiritual leader who created this place in Colorado that he was like the cult leader of and he just slept with all the women Mm. and yeah Mm. crazy all this shit I had no idea he's like your uncle was gay he committed suicide we have depression in our family and I'm on acid you didn't know any of these things nope wow were you close with your dad no okay so LS you uh, you are close with your dad now closer Closer. yeah much closer then yeah, what inspired you two to take LSD together? He asked me to send him some in the mail, so I did. And what was really funny is the next day after I mailed him LSD, no lie, I heard this on a podcast. What's his name? Uh, Duncan Trussell said mm-hmm. on his intro of his podcast, the day after I mailed my dad LSD, and he said in his funny voice, and some guy just went to jail for selling LSD to his dad, and they both went to jail in different states. <laughs> and I was like, like fuck, fuck. <laughs> what? I wouldn't have sent my dad that, you know. Anyway, that didn't happen. We didn't get arrested. And mm. my, sorry, kiddo. And uh, my dad, I went. I was on tour on the East Coast. He lives in North Carolina, and I had a day off, so I went from Charlotte to Asheville, where he lives. And he's like, "Do you want to do some of that acid you sent me?" And I was like, "No." And I was like, "Oh, all right." And we dosed. Mm-hmm. It's trippy. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a big dive. It's like, whoa, I came out of your dick. No, I came out of your balls. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, and then he's telling that. you all the family secrets. Yeah, he was just telling me stuff that he was just, it was trip. I could tell he wanted to tell me all this. It was just weird. I don't know how I got to that, but um, what were we talking about? We were talking about kids being, uh, most kids being whoops, meaning, uh, oh, yeah, not planned. Part of legacies. Yeah. Yeah. Legacies. Yeah, but now you are part of the legacy. Yeah. That whoops and, and result. Are you, you and you have multiple. Are you an only child, brothers and sisters? I'm a multiple orgasm. No, you um, multiple. <laughs> only child. Do you have multiple only orgasms? Child. Okay, only child. Oh, yeah. so you are the legacy. What's that? You are the legacy. I the guess. pressure is on, Simon. Yeah. I'm ready for it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't feel that's... <laughs> 
like, no, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about taking, like, Amy, if you ever got married, would you take the man's name? First of all, I never get married in you the. You never get married. I won't do the traditional marriage for, for ye old United what? States you government. Don't, you, don't yeah, wanna, you don't want to get Oh, USA I love you. Let's involve the I'll government. Do, I'll do, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do, a, like, a celebration and all that stuff, but I, I mean, I'll do that to, like, celebrate commitment and love and all that and knowing that commitment might not be forever, but I'm not going to go like, sign a whole bunch of documents unless it came down to, like, a medical. You know, sometimes people need to do that for, like, medical reasons or you know for whatever there's there's things that sometimes i've met people that needed to do it but i think there's other ways that you can do those things um but um so no i don't i i don't see myself doing the i'm not a traditionalist kyle no. you know this i do i like to break all the all the rules and do things amy's way um but no so i wouldn't obviously wouldn't take someone's last name i love my name amy baldwin's fucking great yeah, name. it's a great name I'm changing that name even though their baldwin legacy is kind of done and I don't need to pass it on to future generations and the generations above me have a whole bunch of family feuds so the legacy to me is kind of silly and and yeah. bullshit but I, l- I like my name and I don't want to make things complicated yeah it's a good name yeah, yeah. well you know, when you were born a thousand years ago you know you wanted to spread your seed you wanted to grow your family name it was you were born uh, a thousand years ago I was, I was. <laughs> yeah that's why I'm so you smart you were me too that's why I'm yeah. so smart yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's all this uh, these cold plunges in the morning. Well, wasn't marriage really yeah. made for like Business. rich elite families to stay together and yeah. not for the poor people? And now like it's like yeah. wasn't it, well, it wasn't we're going to keep love. this family. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a business know. arrangement. It was. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, for a long time, the mindset of culture has been uh, domination. It's been legacy. It's been growth. And we've really adopted that legacy from, you know, let's have a big family to let's build a corporation and keep making it bigger. Whereas now we're at this time when we we're bumping up against all of these limits. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really healthy to question like, wait, why is it that we want to continue to dominate? Why do I want to have kids? Maybe it's for the wrong reasons. Maybe it's just for ego and maybe it's fucking up the world. You know, Terrence McKenna had a, um, he, he, was to had a psychedelic trip and he asked the mushroom how do we save the planet and he, and the mushroom said every couple has one child that's how that, that's how yeah. we save the planet not multiple just other people you know that have five children yeah mm-hmm. well yeah i i yeah i totally understand that and i also wanted to say i don't hate on people getting who get married by the way people if you want to get married then you can get married it's just not a thing for me and a lot of the people that i know that are you know, 40 years old and are unhappy are people that chose the traditional route and never questioned it. It was, you know, I was told I should get married and buy the house and have the job that pays a good amount of money and have the children. And now I feel empty and lost and confused because I don't know if this is me. And this isn't everyone, but a lot of, uh, I, I see this often. And it's just that people are buying into the idea and the, the you know, of, of how things should go as opposed to asking themselves like, well, how do, what, who am I and how do I want to do it? And then they're having too many kids and they're fucking I feel like it's starting to be more of what you're talking about than ever, though. People yeah. are starting to question the narrative and really say, well, is this, look how many people are getting divorced and unhappy and like in their job and miserable. And like, yeah, it seems that there's a shift happening a little bit more. A lot of people are living in vans yeah. that don't need to, including myself. I don't live in one, but I got one and I get it. I'm like, oh, this nomad life's amazing. I could live in this van and be happier than the dude with the mansion on the hill. Yeah. Genuinely happier. Mm-hmm. Square footage doesn't make you happy. I learned that one. Never been married, but I bought and sold a house. And yeah, I made some money and all that shit. But really, it was more stress than it was like 
there was always something going wrong. A roof, the plumbing, it was just stress. It's yeah. a stressor. The second your friend invites you to go on an adventure and you say, oh, I can't, I got to clean the garage, I got to move my shit around, you know mm-hmm. you've lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and again, I think people just, just get caught up in that in that idea. That Except for the people, can... you ever see the people that really thrive in the consumerist oh, they love m- it. Yeah. mindset? Like the people that were fucking built for this paradigm yeah. and you're like, whoa, but dude, it's you kind of freak everyone. me out. It's not everyone. There's, there's idea that it should be for everyone and it, and it really isn't everyone's different why aren't we asking these questions right. like what do I uniquely want instead of this paint in this picture that this is what everyone should want especially what Americans should want yeah yeah Th- there's this idea that any it's uh it's something along the lines of any belief you hold too tightly will destroy you mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean that some stuff is is bad have some stuff doesn't mean that some money is bad yeah. just don't hold that idea too tight yeah it's I like, want to change my beliefs actually because I'm stuck in these beliefs that I've had forever and actually one of them is being fuck marriage and maybe I maybe I shouldn't say that yeah. maybe I should be more open to it and maybe there's like a medium a happy medium where it's like like you said like oh I want to have a party with my friends and share love but maybe I don't want to involve the government I don't know yeah. Um, Your own way. I don't believe in God. Like, well, yeah. maybe there is a God. I don't know. So instead of being yeah. atheist, I'm agnostic yeah. now. Like, I'm trying to change my core yeah. beliefs because then I'm just as stuck as someone who's like, no, God, you know. Yeah. yeah. What's I didn't, the, yeah, what's I the didn't believe in God until I fucked him. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone's, you want to meet a God, ketamine and G. So, yeah, <laughs> He's God, waiting over God there for you. ketamine and G. What, Simon, what are some beliefs that you are working to change right now. That the one I just said yeah. for sure. I'm so anti-marriage because I grew up watching marriage fail, but maybe I should try it, but again, a version of it, not I don't want to involve the government in the state of California because I love somebody that seems ridiculous to me. Um again, what I just said, maybe I maybe there is a god and I don't know. I'm so hell-bent on like there's no god and science and who knows? Who knows? Mm. Those are the big ones obviously. Yeah. Um yeah, I, those are the ones that kind of jump out that are the big beliefs, you know, marriage and religion. Mm. How about and you? Conspiracy. I'm, it, that was good. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I'm I, still I, going back and forth on building seven, flattered. man. <laughs> That's a fucking big one. I like, I mean, I, I'm just, I like just staying open to the fact that everything's always changing. So whatever I firmly believed about myself to be true, I, I'm just constantly reminding myself to stay open that that can change you know that could change tomorrow it could change in 10 years and it may never change but just to know that i'm constantly shifting the world is constantly shifting so whatever i think or believe and it's just uh, my experiences keep showing me i also was an atheist i was like when you die it's just nothing there's just nothing we don't know what that is we never experienced nothing and then i experienced you know energetic vortexes with other humans or psychedelics where i felt something bigger uh, and that has shifted. So yeah, similar thing of just knowing that that's constantly going to shift. I might become an atheist again. Who knows? Right. Yeah. We put a lot of um, value on seeing things through. Like I had this this childhood dream and it, it came to fruition when a lot of times readjustment is the thing you should really be doing, not bearing down. Mm. You know, like the, the dreams of a, like having a childhood dream is the dream of a child. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So shifting. Yeah, I wanted your, to be a fireman when I was four. Right, but Things shifting, change. but shifting up. Yeah, shifting that belief. Different angle. Behooved you, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to be a teacher, but and I you just are. didn't know it was going to be about yeah, sex. Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> it's like, right. oh, mom, I want to teach about dildos. Yeah. Grow up. Well, there's something though about knowing what you like. Like knowing there, there are certain things that you find you have a proclivity towards when you grow up. Like for me, I know like 
I love fish tacos. Fish tacos and a margarita for me is like the best thing ever. Yeah, fish tacos are never a bad idea. They're a margarita never a bad could be, but yeah, it could be, fish but, tacos. But like that's one thing that I know about myself that I really like. I know that I like writing. Like that's something that I want to keep with me for my whole life. But I'm not too set on how that's gonna manifest. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the it's a it's about like holding that belief, holding it, but not holding it too tightly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing that it that it can that can shift yeah. too. When you said that, I used I used to love writing, but then when writing became part of uh, work, then I stopped loving writing, and so I didn't hold the belief like you're saying. You're holding the belief, but not being centered on it being just this oh, happening this in this one way. So I actually didn't even hold the belief. It became a new belief that I don't love writing, but actually deep down, I really I actually do. I just don't love having to do it in this one particular set way. Yeah. So there's a there's a balance, right, between yeah. like being able to readjust and still having the um, the discipline to sit down every day and do that thing because it's not always easy. I was having this conversation with Chris one time, and he, and he came up with one of his many fucking brilliant metaphors on the spot. Where he said, "Yeah, it's like holding sand in the palm of your hand." If you hold it too tightly, it slips through your fingers. Brilliant, Chris! Like, Did you fucking come up with that? Like, yeah. yeah, just not like you motherfucker. That just yeah. happened. Chris is, yeah. Oh. I was just going to say something, but that one got me so good. You lost it like the sand. Yeah. Yeah. He, just, like, he, got the, he had the whole experience of it. Well, you've always, Simon, like your big uh, one belief that you hold, maybe not too tightly, maybe it's just been healthy, is don't try. Yeah. Like, try not to try. How do you yeah. How do you keep an idea at a certain distance so you can still be playful with it? Yeah, that's a good one. I don't really know. I guess... Uh, that one's well. That's Bukowski's tomb or grave says, "Don't try." And at first, I didn't understand what he meant with two boxing gloves, and I was like, "What does he mean, don't try? You gotta try." And then I read a book called "Trying Not to Try," and in Chinese, they call it the Wu Wei, which is like you do the work enough to where it's good, but then you don't have to try anymore. Like I'll use Steph Curry as an example, or a good surfer. Like you've paddled out long enough to where you can go paddle out on a big wave, but you're not even trying anymore because you've done the homework enough to where you could just go into a flow state, and it's that's the magic Mm -hmm. so i think that's what he meant i don't know um yeah i i just feel like it's a turnoff if like a girl comes up to you and she's trying too hard or Mm -hmm. a job it's just an unattractive qualities when people try too hard to impress you or just like it's like relax you know the energy kind of bounces right off of them i I think about that in the dating world and i have uh, a couple different friends but men women um that are are single and they're putting out that strong energy so hard. They're a burning man. They can't stop searching the audience for the you know the hot chick or yeah. and, and then it and they don't find it yeah. because it really is it's and there's true. you know laws of attraction and all that stuff. I mean if you believe in that or not, I do believe that when we're when we're putting out the energy um, strongly when we're so set on it, it's an attachment. Mm-hmm. When we're attached to it and there's expectation, there's hooks, there's energetic yep. hooks on it. Yeah. Then it all of a sudden it's yeah. just balances off of us. Yeah, no expectations is a big one. If you go through life without expecting anything, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Like my mom always said, most people are going to disappoint you. So get used mm-hmm. to that. And mm-hmm. that way you don't anticipate anything. Or I'll do it all the time. Like if I'm going somewhere and I have this picture in my head of what this place is like I've never been to. Like this is a bad example, but I'm going to Hawaii for the first time. And you kind of have this idea of what the hotel is going to look like. You get there, you're like, oh completely abandon that vision this is where it's like why did i even have to paint a picture of what it is it's hard for me to not do that mm-hmm. i always project some image of what a person's going to be or what a place is going to be it's just a what, what's the point I, I got a question for you simon what advice would you give to a younger dude 
who's going out into the dating world. Because a lot of your music, it's like it's a lot about partying. It's a lot about like, and you have a lot of young guys that mm. listen to you. Right? Just be funny or be yourself. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a boring answer, but like when you're trying too hard, a girl's gonna feel that. Just don't try to be anything. Just like relax and. Make them laugh. Girls like to laugh. People like to laugh. Mm -hmm. Try to be funny. Or don't try. (laughs) Or don't try to, yeah. Maybe some people aren't funny. I don't know. Tap into your authentic uh, funniness, your authentic playfulness. Don't be too serious. Don't take anything too serious. Just lighten up. People, even like sex, relax. It's just sex. Like, it's no big deal. And don't make the date like one of those interview dates. Like, go do something creative and adventurous yeah. and something that's more like, let's go try out this wild thing. And if it doesn't go well, it doesn't go on. So, like, let's go to dinner and stare at each other across yeah, the table and interview and ask each, each other. other questions. Then it's fair. It's or a movie. What a horrible idea. Let's go to a movie and just yeah. sit there and stare at a screen awkwardly. Like, that's the worst. I mean, no one goes to the movies anymore, I don't think. But, yeah. yeah. Non- what are yeah, good dates, team. Amy? The good first dates. Yeah, what are good first dates? I think it depends on the the context of like you know if you've never have you are you talking about like because they're different right? Yeah. Are you doing online dating? We've never met the person because then there's certain protocol on how you probably want to go about that so that you're not yeah. setting yourself up. Yeah, to, that's strange. That's like a whole new kind of game. World. Like it's like being funny, but being funny in text format. Yeah, and that's one of the the things where you have the dating specialists who are giving advice on how people should frame their online profile and for they say for men to. Show so uh, I think it's confidence. Uh, I think humor is one of them as well. And authenticity. Um, I also add heart into it is one thing I would tell people as well. Heart? Heart, like um, show that you have feelings. You know, show that you actually aren't like some, just like some people like the, stone, the stone cold bro. Yeah. Right. But like actually show that you're actually a real human that can feel things because a lot of women actually are looking for people who, right. who can show their feelings. But yeah, that changes the dating world. It's like we've never met. So I probably don't want to go on the four-hour wild adventure, some like crazy hike out in the woods to the magical river with a stranger who it might not feel good. I might want to actually go meet you for a cup of coffee or go for a walk on West Cliff and you know only commit to the forty-five yeah. minutes. Cup of yeah, GHB. I'm a big fan of the coffee, of not the yeah. meal. GHB yeah, the coffee. Yeah, the coffee. Let's just see if this feels yeah. how this feels if we've never met because there's something to be said about text energy versus actually being in front oh, of the person. For sure. Entirely different. Jokes don't translate as well. You can't hear the tone. Like yeah. you got to use an emoji afterwards to diffuse it. Like you could say something <laughs> that they're like, "How do you take it?" But if you put on like a um, smirky face after, they'll be like, "Oh, he's kidding," as opposed to like, "Oh, he just said." Uh, yeah. You know. What did he mean by that? Yeah. Yes, he's such an asshole. Emoji is the great diffuser. But we did on Shameless Sex. We did an episode with um, this woman Dixie De La Tour, and she has the Body B A W D Y Storytelling Podcast, which is like sex sex stories and erotic storytelling and she i called this episode the best dating advice you will ever hear because it's very simple so this is what that's exactly what she said like don't take it so seriously don't make it a boring interview that's too much pressure for everyone like go say you know what let's go do this illegal thing you know let's go like climb this crazy bridge that's illegal and we're not supposed to do it and just see what happens and how we handle some crazy shit mm-hmm. to see let's do some illegal and, and shit to, and like to let's look, do anal in Saudi Arabia or may, I mean it doesn't have to be illegal but she said like look at dating as part of your story and so that you don't get set up being really perfect or really good and that if it doesn't go well it's just part of your life story like well that was fucking weird and yeah. so you make choices along those lines like what would be an interesting choice right now to add to the excitement of my life story and then how can we 
um, explore it together. And if it doesn't go well, then thanks for being part of my story. Bye. See you later. I can't stop thinking about fish tacos. I'm hungry. Let's, yeah, we can wrap this up very soon. Are you making me tacos? Fuck yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's one of the great best. Yeah, that was a good talk, guys. Yeah, Yeah, it was a good talk. I came, I saw, and I kicked your ass. That's our show. Once again, you can check out more of Amy on her podcast, Shameless Sex, and you can check out more of Simon on his, Nervous Rex. I'm going to play you out with a song called Killers by Pinstripe Loveseed. These guys listen to the podcast and they sent me some music. If you want to send me some tunes, you can do it by emailing it to info at kyle.surf. That's also where you can send me voice memos. So if you are out in the world somewhere right now, which I'm guessing most of you are, unless some of you are in an alternate universe that does not adhere to the normal limitations of space and time, uh, maybe you can't do this. But if, for the rest of you that can, pull out your phone and record like a minute of audio. Just let me know who you are and where you're listening from and maybe something that uh, some thoughts that you want to share with this community. Try and keep it under about a minute and email it to info at kyle.surf and I would love to play it. Also, final thought, um, I do a weekly email now, so I'm forcing myself to write a short story every week and email it every at the end of every week to all of you. So if you would like to get that, um, as well as some other perks, just good shows I'm watching, podcasts I'm listening to, all that stuff, go to my website, uh, kyle.surf, and type in your email. Um, you'll get that email from me once a week. But for now, I hope you can get out in the water, whatever body of water is closest to you, and just enjoy the rest of your day. And once again, here's a song by Pinstripe Love Seat called Killers. See you soon, guys. <laughs>